0: Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Good morning. How are you? Do you ever feel that some of the challenges and obstacles of life that you encounter, you know, can be more than you can handle? They're kind of pressing back on you. And particularly if you're trying to do what's right, if you're trying to be a nice person, a Christian, and live a life pleasing to God, you know, that, that can be really, really discouraging. You can't. So with that in mind, would you take a look at the screen and, and watch this video and see, see what you think of this, if you do me a favor? <laughs> Would you react in that situation? Trying to be a nice guy, do the thing, right thing. Now, ch- chances are that thing was, uh, was scripted and uh, meant, meant for humor, but you can imagine it'd be a pretty overwhelming situation to encounter that. And with that said, we, we know in life we can't always control what happens to us, but God has given us the responsibility to respond, uh, have control over what we do. That, that's our part. In life, And today we're going to continue in our Unstuck series. Last two weeks, Pastor Andy preached on fear two weeks ago, and last week was approval. This morning is overwhelmed. So I hope uh, you don't feel necessarily overwhelmed this morning, but I trust before you leave here, maybe you'll get some good strategies about when those times come and maybe be better prepared for them and do some things that might prevent them from happening. But we do get overwhelmed when the obstacles and challenges of life that face us seem more than we can handle. And if you have a flyer, if you want to follow along, pull this bulletin out of your, or just pull this flyer, this little insert out of your bulletin, and we have an outline in here. And as we're going to do, as we just started to do, we will help you fill in those blanks as we go. It's a great way to participate in the message. And the more senses we use in the learning process, the more likely we are to retain uh, what we learn. So it's a great way to track uh, the message today. So I hope you take advantage and do that. <clears throat> when we are overwhelmed, typically there are three ways that we're going we're gonna to respond or react when, when stuff happens to us. The first one is that we're, we're going to fight. We're going to fight against this obstacle that's, that's facing us, right? That's one response. Another one is to flee to retreat and, and run away from it. Third one is to freeze, just, you know, freeze in the midst of it and let happen what, what will happen. Um, and these, these, you know, these, these, these are normal reactions. This is the way we're wired as, as human beings, but it's, you know, it's not always the best way. So uh, what are some of those common issues that, you know, in 21st century America, what are some of those common issues that tend to overwhelm us. And I listed a few in our, in our flyer there. There's, there's many more that uh, uh, could be listed, but health problems, relational conflict, financial stress. Anybody deal with any financial stress? Career demands, anger, bitterness, depression, other forms of mental illness, even good things like life transitions, a new baby. A new location, a new job, which, you know, are relatively positive, sometimes can present overwhelming challenges. How about the loss of a loved one, particularly if it was unexpected? Various kinds of tragedy. How about being abused? How about guilt, shame, regrets of the past that we we can't seem to get beyond and have no opportunity to go back and to fix? How about habits and addictions and et cetera, you name it. There's many things in life, you know, that could overwhelm us. And when one or more of these issues, uh, you know, confronts us, it can lead to a sense of despair and the feeling of being overwhelmed. I define despair as the absence of hope. Hope is the confidence that something good is going to happen in the future. Despair is the thought that there's no hope. All is lost. I'm I'm in a dark hole and... You know, nobody cares. Okay. And that can happen to us. It's not uncommon. King David in the scriptures, he was well acquainted with overwhelming experiences in his life. And he, though he was far from perfect, uh, we see David on, on most occasions rather than giving in to these natural reactions, these impulses, you know, the first three we mentioned, David demonstrated for us a fourth option that we're going to take a look at today. And we're going to be reading from the, the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 30. So if you want to take a glance, I think it will be coming up on the screen for you here soon. I'll be reading. It says, from the book of 1 Samuel, beginning with verse, I think, one right, are those verses in there? I guess right the first verse, I think. It says, three days later, when David and his men arrived home at their town of Ziklag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into Negev, and Ziklag. They had crushed Ziklag and burned it to the ground. They had carried off the women and children and everything else, but without killing anyone. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. David's two wives, Ahinoam the, the, from Jezreel, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel, were also among those who were captured. David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters, and they began to talk of stoning him. Wow. Can you imagine what, what David's going through? Let's take a, a little little synopsis of David, a little background of his history. Remember, he was a shepherd boy that was discounted when, uh, when Samuel came to his father, Jesse, and said, you know, bring in your sons for consideration. They didn't even consider David. They left him out in the field. So he was discounted by his family, just considered a shepherd boy. Uh, later, he has great victory over Goliath, ex- ex- exhibited courage and faith, and led the uh, Israelite soldiers to a a victory there. Yet, it eventually worked against him because as David became more popular, King Saul became jealous of him. Became so jealous of David, he wanted to kill him. And David had to flee from the presence of Saul, and for several years, he lived in the desert. He lived in caves. He, he attracted kind of a motley crew of people that were also kind of fleeing from various things. It was a pretty tough situation, but David persevered through that. And then twice, he had the opportunity to kill Saul. And even his soldiers said, go ahead, take him out. He says, God has anointed you to be the next king. Go ahead and take David, take Saul out. Twice when David had Saul in his hands and he could have killed him, he did not. He said, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. He sought to do the right thing. And with all this, with all this going on, David comes home to Ziklag and finds that it's burned it's, their, their families are carried off. they have just been on a three-day march. They're completely exhausted. They wept until they could not weep anymore. And now his men wanted to kill him. He'd lost his wife and children possessions just like them. The very men that had, he had led into battle, his life was threatened by them. You think David maybe felt a little overwhelmed? Do you think the fight, the flee, the freeze reactions were kicking in? How would you respond? How would you respond to this situation if you were, if you were David in, in this scenario? You know, he could have given to him, he could have fought against those men that were threatening him. He could flee from them and just lead them through their own devices, though he had been their leader. Or he could freeze in the midst of them and let them determine his fate and the future. Of their, their band and, and the, the wives and the children that have been taken captive. We probably would not find fault. David just said, Hey, enough is enough. Throw up his hands and say, Hey, I'm out of here. You know, I've tried to serve God, I've tried to do the right thing. It, this, this is too much, okay? He could have given into that. But instead, David chose the fourth option, and the fourth option is faith. The fourth option is faith. And it tells them, we continue the reading and picking up in verse six, it says, David, but there's a big but there. David found strength in the Lord, his God. He said to Abithar, the priest, the priest, bring me the ephob. The and Abithar brought it. And then David asked the Lord, should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord told him, yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. So David and his 600 men set out. Wow, what, what, a, what, a, what a response David gave. Rather than giving in to the, the natural reactions, he, 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 he followed the option of faith. And if you notice, the first thing David did, it says, he found strength in the Lord his God. Another translation says, he strengthened himself in the Lord his God. The Lord was his God. It wasn't some you know, plea and begging some unknown divine being out there. He knew the Lord, his God. David had relationship with the Lord. And when he got into this crisis, he was able to call upon him, to appeal to him and be strengthened. And once he had done that, once he had strengthened himself personally, he called the priest Abathar to help him discern God's answer for this crisis. And the answer was that David was to go after the Malachites and all would be recovered. Simple, right? Go after him. All would be recovered. Sounds simple. But, you know, you think about that. That meant that Dave would have to go to these 600 men who were threatening him. life and says, Hey, guys, you know, I just heard from the Lord. I want you to come with me, and we're going we're gonna to go fight some more. Okay? They're already exhausted. They, they whooped to the point of, you know, no, no emotion. And now he says, Come on, I want you to follow me. We're going to go fight these, these guys. Uh, you know, that took some faith uh, to do that. They could have, they could have killed them. They could have said, no way. You know, they were already exhausted. They were already discouraged. They didn't have to respond and follow David. You know, what if they turned on him? What if they killed him? And would this be a simple task to find the Amalekites and fight them? They had no idea how many days, at least a few days, lead they could have had on them. It may be difficult sometimes, you know. The, t- the path to a better place may not be a pleasant one. And that, that's, a hard, that's a hard truth for us, folks. The path of getting to a better place may not be an easy one. Uh, I've been doing, between my internship and professional ministry, about 25 years now, between counseling and pastoral ministry, I've dealt with a lot of people in a lot of di- di- situations. You know what I find out? There are times we will stay in a hurtful, dysfunctional situation because we're scared. Because the path out of it may not be the way we want. And that's a crying shame, folks. Okay, It really is. Because we're not to fear. As Randy said a couple weeks ago, we're not to live by fear. Scripture says God's perfect love casts out fear. If we really believe in God's love and who he is, we are to move out of those dysfunctional situations to a better place. Here we are today, the Sunday following Memorial Day. Does anybody know what two days from now is June 6th? June 6th is the 73rd anniversary of D-Day, the invasion of Normandy, France by the Allied Forces. And it seems appropriate, you know, this being the case between these two important dates that we use an illustration. Uh, from that battle. Army Colonel George Taylor was commander of the 16th Regiment that landed on Omaha Beach in the first wave. Many of his men were slaughtered by the German machine gun fire as they tried to get off that beach and try to get some shelter. If you've seen the movie Private Ryan, it's, it's pretty graphic of some of this, what had happened on that, that, that beach that day. So here they are. Men, about half his men are slaughtered. The ones who survive. Uh, they're shell-shocked, they're exhausted, they're confused, they're pinned down against the seawall with uh, German fire and snipers trying to pick them off. I'm not talking Galveston Bay seawall here. We're talking a pretty serious situation. No bicycles going by, right? Everybody's having a tough time. And then General, I'm sorry, he was he later became a General, but Colonel George Taylor, okay, he had to make a decision. It was a desperate situation. He may have been a little scared himself, yet he was responsible for the men on that beach, and they needed him. They needed leadership. So what did he do? The words that he said that day have become legendary. He gathered all the men together he could, and he said to him, listen, there's only two kinds of people staying on this beach. First, those that are dead. Second, those that are going to die. We have to get off this stinking beach. Now, he used another word other than stinking. I'm not going to say. All right? But think of it. What a a statement. This is a bad situation. Look at all our buddies scattered around the beach dead. It's not good. Okay? We feel a little safe right now, but guess what? It's just a matter of time they're going to pick us off too. So what do you want to do? You want to stay on this beach and get picked off, or are we going to gather together and do something about it? Well, the men rallied behind him. They put together what they call Bangalore torpedoes. They'd already tried it three times without success. They tried a fourth time, and guess what? They blew a hole through a concrete barrier. They got through the German line. They moved inland. Did they lose a few men? You betcha. Not everybody made it. It was a tough, tough decision. Like I said, the path to a better place isn't always pleasant. I wish it was. I wish it- planet earth was a more user-friendly place to live folks but it's not and jesus told us that he said in this world you will have tribulation okay that's not what we want to hear sometimes but he says in me you may have peace and i have overcome the world and you can too okay that's the promise he is with us he will give us peace and he'll help us get through it and they got off that beach And uh, he became a general later on. How about that? So we left King David, right, trying to gather his troops and go across the desert to to find the Amalekite army. We pick up the story in verse 18 of Samuel 30, 1 Samuel 30. And it says, David got back everything the Amalekites had taken. He rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, small or great, son or daughter, nor anything else that had been taken. That's what God said, didn't he? you get everything back. David brought everything back. He also recovered all the flocks, the herds, and his men drove ahead of them the other livestock. And they proclaimed, this plunder belongs to David. How about that? You know, a happy ending to a very stressful and distressful situation. You know, how about us? When we encounter the overwhelming in our lives, do we give in to the... Impulses. Am I going to fight against this, and everybody gets in my way, or I'm going to flee from this? This is just too much. I'm out of here. Or are we going to freeze in the midst of it and just let others call the shots and you know let them dictate my future? Okay. Or are we going to exercise the other option, the faith option? For me, you know how well we know God and know His Word will make the difference when we confront the overwhelming. How well we know God and know his word. And the following are some faith actions I'm going to give you to overcome the overwhelming. If you look on your outline, there's six of them. I'm just going to run through these. You can always follow up on them later and look up the scriptures and things, but just want to give you an overview, kind of based upon David's life, based upon other passages in scripture and the Bible of what we can do when we encounter the overwhelming. First one is proclaim God's greatness and his promises. Proclaim God's greatness and his promises. I think we just did that about 10, 15 minutes ago, didn't we? Praising God. Talking how great he is. Singing his goodness and his love. We want to keep doing that. The prophet David proclaimed, Lord, you are the creator of the heavens and the earth. Nothing is too difficult for thee. You know, we worship here each Sunday, but we need to worship Every day of the week, Psalm one thirteen three says, "From the rising of the sun until the setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised." Ponder that. From the time we wake up to the time we go to sleep, God's name is to be praised. Not only God Himself. Let's take a moment, think about that. Not just God, our great and glorious God. Even his name is so great and glorious it is to be praised. Ponder that for a while. How many times is the Lord's name taken in vain in a typical day? Doing exactly the opposite of what should be doing. And we as believers, we need to offset that, folks. We need to be the one praising his name, lifting it up, exalting it. Our world needs to hear it. And God deserves it. Psalm 92, 2. When you wake up in the morning, do you wake up in the morning and say, good morning, Lord? Or do you wake up saying, good Lord, it's morning. You know? <laughs> How do you wake up? Okay, I'm not really a, I force myself to be a morning person. It doesn't come naturally. Okay? But by faith, it says, I will proclaim your loving kindness. As I walk out that door in the morning, I may feel good, I may feel rotten, but God, I believe you love me. I believe you love these people out here. I'm going to go out by faith, right? And it says if we do that, I proclaim your love and kindness in the morning. What does it say? That night I will proclaim your faithfulness, okay? We walk by faith. And when God reveals his faithfulness, we experience it and we proclaim that too. It's a pretty nice arrangement. Praise God all day long. Proclaim his greatness and his promises. How many of you all know what this is? Anybody seen one of these before on the screen? It's floppy. It's about, it's really not a full eight inches. It's about seven inches. What do you think it is? Who knows? Created in 1971 by IBM. Would you believe this was cutting edge technology in 1971 for data storage and transporting it? Son of a gun. You wouldn't believe it, would you? And it it, it stuck around for a while. They pretty much had diminished by the uh, late 1980s, except for me. At that time, in the late 80s, I was an Air Force historian uh, in the headquarters at Pope Air Force Base, North Carolina, surrounded by Fort Bragg, okay? I'll give you a little insight there. Pope Air Force Base at the time, we had about 4,000 personnel. Fort Bragg had about 40,000. So 4,000 Air Force, 40,000 Army, okay? Why were there 10 Army personnel to every one Air Force? I'll let you figure that out for yourself. But that's where I was, right? I'd been, I was originally a fuel specialist. I retrained into history. I had a top secret security clearance. I had all this classified material I was responsible for. I'd been trained about about a year I was trained for by a senior historian who had now retired. And it was up to me to get the reports out. We wrote this huge report every six months that had had to get out, right? And I'm working away at this old word processor. And uh, guess what? Just when I thought I was making some progress on this thing, the machine dies. It go, what the heck? And try to restart it. And these things, And I go, oh, man, it died. And I about died, too. I go, oh, this is not good, you know? And the data I had in it, I had no idea how I'm going to get that back out and how am I going to go forward. This wasn't like the Army, folks. We had really strict regulations in the Air Force. We couldn't make stuff up. We had a real... <laughs> I love the Army guys. My father-in-law was Army, my dad was Army, I'm sorry. Can't help it. If you spent, let's uh, see, five years? Yeah, roughly five, you spent five and a half years surrounded by the Army, you might get an attitude too. So I, I apologize, I'm trying to deal with that, forgive me. So anyways, I remember, I actually was chuckling in my office, I just said, okay Lord, here's an opportunity to prove what you can do. Remember, you work all things together for good. I was a little sarcastic. Okay, here we go. And so I sheepishly went upstairs. I found the junior executive officer, told him what happened. He came down with me, Captain James Hogue. And he was a Christian believer, praise the Lord. He came down with me. He looked at my sheen and was just shaking his head. He said, what? what? He goes, this thing's a dinosaur. I said, yeah, <laughs> I guess so, you know. He says, okay. So what are we going to do? He says, well, I'll tell you what. There's some empty space behind the commander's office. We're going to put a PC in there. We're going to get you wired into the network, whatever that is. I said, Okay. Well, he got me set up. He got me set up on this PC. I started, you know, somehow we got the data back, we started working, and through that process, right, somehow, some way, I got that history done in a timely manner, and I entered into the computer age. Praise the Lord. A couple years after that, I'd be going into seminary, and guess what, By the time, from the time I entered the Air Force in 84, when I was using the typewriter in Bible college, From the time I went into seminary, about 91, everything had gone PC. Had God, you know, had he used that event in a, you know, in a good way in my life? Yes, he did. Praise God, you know. So even though it overwhelmed me, and I didn't know how exactly it was going to happen, God knew. As, As Jeremiah proclaimed, he is the creator of the heavens and earth. Nothing, nothing is too difficult for him. And because we have a God like this, we can pour out our heart to him in prayer. I find Psalms a great way, folks. If you don't read the Psalms at all, check reading through the Psalms. There's a Psalm for every occasion. There's praises, there's promises, there's also complaints. Sometimes David and others just tell God how bad life is and just pour it out to Him. God encourages us to do that. Psalm 62 says, trust in him at all times, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. I believe that's what David did. Before he got Abathar the priest, he spent time alone with God, pouring his heart out to him. I believe we should do that every day. Pour our heart out to God about our own needs before we go out and try to face the needs of others. We'll be better equipped to do that. Several years ago, at another church I was at, I preached a message called, uh, ferris wheels and merry-go-rounds uh, after that I developed it into a devotion and this is this is going to be on the website find it page if you look at the back of your flyer right at the bottom if you want to get a copy of this go to that web page it's to me it's been one of the most powerful ways I, I, I used it so many times in, in talking to people who maybe are anxious and feeling those overwhelmed that I, you know, I can I say, I put it down to devotion. It's all about casting everything down before God, right? And taking it to him in prayer. But I'm going to let you look on that. And we're going to press on to the next event here. Plan according to God's purposes. Scripture says in God's light, we see light, right? We get into God's light, we see more light. Uh, motivation speaker, Zig Ziglar, who's now passed on, he said, go as far as you can see, and when you get there, you'll see more. How often can we use the excuse, well, you know, this doesn't look very promising, I don't really want to do that. Well, we don't know where that's going to take us sometimes. That can be a cop-out, okay? Go as far as you can see and trust God to reveal more. That's, that's walking by faith. In his light, we see more light. Um, as I said earlier, it may not be the easiest thing to do. I had, a, I had a radical spiritual awakening in 1979, but my emotions were all over the place. When I first went to a gentleman that I admired and asked him for help, I wanted to be happy. I thought he'd give me a quick fix and get great. And instead, he goes, Tom, have you ever memorized scripture and meditated on it? I said, no, man, that's work. I just want to be happy. And he says, Tom, you know, put God's word in your brain, start doing what it says. He says Happiness will come. This gentleman, a busy insurance salesman, met with me almost every week for the next year. Challenged me to memorize scripture. He encouraged me. He prayed with me. And he, he got me grounded uh, in a way that I still uh, meditate and pray on verses today that he taught me. Praise God. And I couldn't just memorize them one week and forget them. No, he would task me with verses from two, three, four, five months ago. He, he drilled me. He was tough on me, but it was a good thing. You know, praise the Lord, it's a a great way. Every day, we gotta get God's word on our brain, people. Some way or another, uh, you'll see these daily breads scattered around the building, grab one of those. It's a great place to start, spend a little time in God's word each day. We have prayer partners down here every Sunday. We have these prayer, we call them promise prayer cards on different topics that can help you claim God's truth in your situation. You know, if I'm listening to a lie, it might as well be the truth. But if I have God's truth to confront that lie, now I have authority. Now I have God's promise, and I can deal with it. In a book called Stretcher Bearer, there's a true story about a teenager who was drowning off the beach, and he refused to, care for, he refused to cry for help. When the, rice, the lifeguard finally saw him and brought him in, he said, Why didn't you, why didn't you yell? Why didn't you tell us what was going on? You know what he said? Oh, I didn't want my friends to know I was drowning. <laughs> Folks, how many of you don't come forward on Sunday mornings for prayer, oh, I don't want people to think i got a problem. Come on. Snap out of it a little bit. Call upon the Lord. we got people down here willing to pray with you, encourage you, give you God's word to build you up, okay? Don't use a lame excuse. Take advantage of it, okay? That's what we're here for. Don't cop out. Take Take your part. Do your part. God's not going to do for us what he's called us to do. He will do his part, but we got to do our part. we got to get his word on our brain and put it into practice. Secondly, or I guess, I'm sorry, fourthly, pursue the Holy Spirit. In Luke 13, or Luke eleven thirteen, Jesus says, The Father gladly gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. You realize that? He will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. He wants us to have the Holy Spirit in our lives. Remember, Jesus says he wants us to abide in him and he in us so the Holy Spirit can manifest his fruit through our lives. Hope you know the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22, 23. Can you say those with me? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Every one of you in here, folks, if you've been around here for a while, you should know the nine fruit of the Spirit. And God didn't call us to be robots or just go, oh, it's a blob, just carry it along. No, the last fruit of the Spirit is self-control. We are to engage in the spiritual battle that we are in, okay? God calls us and gives us the grace to do it. The Christian faith, apart from the Holy Spirit, is drudgery. It's like pushing a car down the road rather than having gas in the tank. And driving it. Don't let that be for you. Ask God to empower you with his spirit. And fifthly, partner with God's people. Hebrews 3.13, encourage one another day after day as long as it's called today. It says we are to be encouraged one another all the time. One of my best brothers right here, James Huckabee, he and I had an opportunity yesterday to do some ministry together and we were just kind of pumping each other up all, all through that experience. It was outstanding. If you're missing out on that, if you don't have another brother or sister in Christ or somebody that pumps you up, you need to get one. Okay? Enough said. Get it. Paul said, we're just one member in the body. We need each other. Nobody's the whole thing. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says there's two extremes. There's those that say, Oh, I'm I don't need others. I got it all together. And there's the others that say, Oh, I don't have anything to offer. Woe is me. Both of those are alive, folks. The truth is. God calls us each as a member into one body. None of us has it all, okay? So break through those lies and get involved in the body of Christ with others. Six, persevere with relentless patience. Blessed is the person who perseveres. Some of you, the situations you're in, prolonged sickness, financial crisis, maybe relational conflict, you have no control over, right? Right? It's not a quick fix. It may be a long-term burden you're going to have to work through. Okay? Don't give up. Persevere with relentless patience. Blessed is the person who perseveres under trial. Once he has been approved, or she has been approved, they will receive the crown of life that God promises to those who love him. If you're just knocked around by life and feeling like it's too much, you got to persevere with God's Word and His people, and find that crown. Rather than being a victim, some point, God wants you to be a victor. You agree? We are more than conquerors through Him who loves us. God didn't call us to be victims knocked around by life. He calls us to be victors, folks. With His love, with His Word, with His Spirit, with His people, we can do it. Okay? Our ultimate example is Jesus Christ. Forsaken, distressed by his circumstances in the Garden of Gethsemane, hours before he's going to be crucified. What did he do? He prayed three times. And even though it was a tough, a tough cup that he was going to drink from, he submitted himself to God. He gave himself over to God's will. In the book of Luke, it says that an angel actually appeared and strengthened him. Right? And you see from after that time through the rest of the gospel, before the crowd that captured him before the Sanhedrin, before the high priest, before Pilate and here, he's at peace. He is calm. He's strengthened. He's being tortured and brutalized. He's at peace. That, that is not possible apart from the Holy Spirit and the empowerment of God. And Jesus in his mortal form, in human form, he trusted. Rather than drawing upon his own divine power, he trusted the Father and the Holy Spirit to get him through that experience. Before he died on the cross, you remember? He said, mother, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. One of the last good deeds he did before he died was to make provision for his mother. Is that the mind of somebody who's distressed and has lost it? I don't think so. God gave him everything he needed to complete the mission that he had been called upon. And we, we have been blessed we have now been provided salvation because of what Christ has done for us. Praise God for his example, what he has done. Today is Communion Sunday. It's an opportunity for us to give thanks for what Jesus Christ for me, has done for us. Also to contemplate, opportunity to contemplate our relationship with him. In Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, since we... Are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses. Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. How many people you hear, oh, I, I keep thinking about this, or I'm overwhelmed by this and this? Well, Scripture says, get your mind on the Lord if you want peace. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of the faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. He endured that cross for you and me, despising the shame. He literally disregarded what was happening to him because of the joy set before him to please the Father and knowing someday he could welcome you and me into the presence of God. Praise the Lord. Have we benefited from that? Folks, others are dependent upon us. Are we willing to submit our lives, our wills, to do what God's called us to do so they can receive the blessings God has for them? We believe today because people for the last 2,000 years have somehow, some way, gotten this message through to us and, and lived it in such a way that it compelled us to follow. Praise God. Are we going to drop the ball at this point? You know, from what I see going on in our culture, we need a revival. We need serious Christians who are serious about living their faith and being a light in a dark world. Will you be one of those people? We close the service in prayer in just a moment. There will be some prayer partners down here to pray with you if you'd like to come forward. There's going to be communion offered in the Life Center in about five ten minutes. If you need to get children, grab your children and take them with you. We encourage your children to join in communion. I think Pastor Randy and myself will probably be out somewhere over here in the First steps area, we'd love to say hello to you, especially if you're new. And then if you, if you want to grow in your Christian faith, go on out to our next step areas. We've got resources there for you. Okay. What kind of week are you going to have? you Are going to have a wimpy, overwhelming week? Or are you going to overcome the overwhelming? Overcome. Glad to hear that. Let's pray about it. Father, we can do this in you. Greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. We don't make light of the things confronted. We know some, Lord, are very heavy. There's some folks here that are stressed out, Lord, and we don't know exactly how it's going to work out. But, Lord, we know you. And you said you are greater than everything, God. You can intervene into any situation, Lord. And, Lord, you know what's best for each one of us and those we love. So we bring everything before you, God. We ask for your help. Fill us with your power. Spirit of hope, dear God, help us do your will. and May it be done. For in Christ we pray, amen. Thank you so much. Have a great week. Learn more about us. Visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.